Welcome to episode 165D of No Challenges Remaining from the U.S. Open. I'm Ben Rothenberg, joined by Courtney Nguyen. Hi, Courtney. Hello, Ben. And we are also joined today by Carol Bouchard. Hello, Carol. Hi, everybody. And we're joined by Carl Bialik. And you might notice that adds up to a 50-50 split of men and women, <laughs> which is very important because we're talking, going to talk about a jumping-off point from Carl's article for 538, which you should read, and it'll be linked in the description, about the gender split of people covering... Press, written press covering the U.S. Open. And so, Carl, can you talk about, I guess, what, nutshell, what your article was and how you got, I guess, inspired to, to write about this using 538-ish quantifiable data, which we so, it's so rare in tennis <laughs> and we love. As, as Carl knows. Yeah, one thing I've learned covering tennis and trying to find data on it is that I often just have to gather it myself if I want it. So I... I've come to the U.S. Open probably 10 times as a reporter. I've done Wimbledon, French Open, some other tournaments. And I think a little later than it should have, it dawned on me that when I looked around, just about everyone's a man. Not just about everyone, but way more than half. And this is a sport that prides itself on being one of the most gender equal, especially in terms of prize money somewhat in terms of court placement and TV coverage, and especially at the U.S. Open, where the big story for years has been Serena Williams, or before that, Serena and Venus Williams, it seemed particularly out of whack. So I walked around every space I could think of where there were people from the media, and this is written as well as broadcast, except for right-holding broadcasts, okay. which happens to be how the they divide up the credentials. Sure. These are and M-, M credentials, as they say around our next probably. M, and there are a couple other letters, okay. and I bet if I came to 30 U.S. Opens, I would not remember what they all are. But the USDA was helpful in giving us their numbers on credentialed media, and people can fill out Mr. or Ms. next to their name. And based on that, it's held pretty steady at about 27% being women over the last five U.S. Opens. So that's about one in four. Did that number surprise you, or was that different from what you what your eyes had told you in the past? It was higher than what my eyes had told me. Yeah, I thought it was under 25%. And it could be that more men don't check it off. It could be that more women don't come to the tournament or, or aren't in the places that we all think of, in, like the interview room, like the press seats. But yeah, I think it felt to me more like 20% or even even lower. Carol and Courtney, as women, I'm guessing, you, I know Courtney, we've obviously talked about this quite a bit before. You're obvi- we, and I, I was obviously aware there was a gender disparity too. This isn't completely new news for people inside the room. But what, what do you make of, of seeing the data and does it reflect your, your experience? Yeah, I mean, eyeballing, I, I kind of agree with Carl. I thought the numbers would be far more skewed. I thought that it would be closer to 80% uh, with respect to men uh, and 20% to women. That's just... Felt, been what my experience has felt like over over the time that I've I've covered the sport, and I'm sure that it's improved over the course of like maybe if you go back to like you know 20 years to now maybe. But it was interesting that Carl said that that the the numbers haven't changed that much over the last five years. So I thought that was quite interesting. And yeah, I mean it, it's a reality of of the sport that we cover. And, and as Carl pointed out, I think one of the things that has always you and I say this on the podcast all the time that makes tennis kind of interesting is it's the one sport where you are charged as a tennis journalist technically to be as conversant in WTA as ATP. It's not that way with golf, for example, with PGA and LPGA, NBA, WNBA to NBA, um, even college sports. You have their separate beats. Tennis is a single, singular beat 
in name and in theory. We know as being on the road and having been covering it, that's not how it works out um, in the grand scheme of things that, that you are going to have a skew towards the ATP for a variety of reasons, whether it is because of financial reasons or because of, you know, some men don't want to sit there and watch a two-hour women's match and they would much rather watch, you know, a, a four-hour, you know, crap fest of, <laughs> of men playing. It's just the reality of it. And I hear it. It's it's a constant um, you know buzz in the room a lot of times and and you hear you overhear these comments left and right, but um, but yeah I mean this is supposed to be one of the sports where we absolutely pride ourselves um, as a whole of being incredibly progressive. So the numbers are better than they would be in other sports like yeah, football, basketball, baseball, etc. I presume they're better than they would be in football in Europe, but long way to go. She said everything. <laughs> no, no. I, me- I remember, to your point, Courtney, I remember one time hearing from a British reporter who was just not, you know, trying to say anything especially revealing, but he was saying, oh, it's women's at Wimbledon because there's every, both draws play for the first seven days of the tournament for the second Monday. And then on Tuesday, it's women's quarterfinals only. And so this person came up to that day and was like, oh, now I need to write a women's story, implying that they hadn't written a single women's story in the first seven days of the tournament. See, I hear the flip, which is that, oh, I can finally take a day off because it's only the women playing. Like, I've heard that before as well. So, yeah, anyways. Yeah, so, but Carol, you were saying that, I guess, you had editors in the article you quoted by Carl saying that you've had editors surprised that you cover both men and women's sports thinking that you're a woman. You must only do woman things, I guess. But that's the most hilarious discovery when I'm... I went from staff writer to freelancing. Like you call people and say, "Oh, good idea" and stuff. And like, but can we also talk about men tennis? And I'm like, I'm writing to you for tennis. <laughs> I didn't say woman at any point. So why would you know infer that that only woman tennis I'm can, I can talk about? It's oh, you're also doing the men. Yeah. <laughs> so that's I mean. But also that's my bad because I don't notice this kind of thing. Like I can walk newsrooms and you're so used to it that at some point somebody could say like, but you're only surrounded by men. And I'm like, oh yeah. Like, I'm black, and if you told me, oh, there's only white people around you, like, oh, sure. (laughs) (laughs) No, but that's the thing that you don't notice anymore. But that's, as Carl said, there has to be consequences. That would be, you know, we can't say that men only covering a sport isn't changing the narratives of the way they're seeing women's sports. No, that's true. But I mean, I guess that's one of the other things I would say. I mean, how do you think tennis, I can get to eat, Carl, if you went in on this as a man, how do you think tennis would benefit from having more women in the press room? How would the coverage benefit? I'll let everybody have a crack at this. How would, how would, why is this, uh, I'm guessing you think it's a problem to say that. Is it a problem that there's only 27% women? And if so, what would we be solving by improving that ratio or making it more even? Yeah, I was trying not to editorialize myself too much in the article, but I'm definitely sympathetic to the idea that it has major consequences and that it affects how the story of the sport is told. I'm not saying that men wouldn't cover or care about women's tennis. You write a lot about and know about as much about the WTA as just about anyone who covers the sport. I'm looking at Ben oh, as oh, I say okay. that. <laughs> uh, okay. So, and, and as Carol mentioned, she covers men's tennis. She's frantic because the French men are doing well at this tournament <laughs> and have at least one semifinalist and probably exactly one semifinalist. <laughs> and... <laughs> So it, it, it certainly doesn't mean that the 75% or so of men are not covering the women at all. And men in this country have gotten quite used to covering the Williams sisters. I think one effect you see is there are a lot of men who cover tennis occasionally and then cover other sports. And in other sports, much more than tennis, what it means to cover those sports is to cover the men almost exclusively. And that can become the mindset. 
and you can be used to thinking, oh, it is the faster game, it's the stronger game, the more athletic game, and so naturally it's the one to focus on. And then this all can get complicated with this whole question about Big Four versus Serena and the field. And is that because it's men looking at it that they see it that way and say this is why we focus more on men's tennis? I think that's pro- that probably plays a role. It could be, although I will say counterpoint, I feel like they're because of Serena versus because of the parity in women's tennis, which is undeniably wider, it just feels like there's more relevant women in women's tennis than relevant men in men's tennis uh, to talk about. I guess according to same question to Carl, how do you think do you think it's a problem and how would the sport be better if, so, if, if, if you think so for having more women writing about it more female voices yeah I mean I don't think that the stat is like an indictment towards the 70 you know three percent 74 percent three percent that are that are men that cover the sport like you know I, like Carl said there are perfectly good men who cover the sport equally and you know know how to write about the women etc cetera, etc cetera. I think the issue is that anytime you have a press corps where it becomes this very insular bubble where it's just one mind that's a very stagnant non-dynamic uh, situation because then you don't you don't have different opinions you don't have different takes on things I want us I want to disagree with people I don't think that it's it's healthy for a sport to have just one thought like all best of five is perfect uh, you know of course equal prize money is ridiculous you know like all it, of these it, sorts of things you even see Carol getting upset with you for saying that don't try to get rid of my best of five immediately next that, and that, exactly next episode but that's precisely the point is that I feel like. We are a very small press corps. I mean, even here at the U.S. Open, obviously, it's bigger because you have the local press and you have – it's a slam, obviously. But the traveling press corps that we see is very, very small. It's very easy then in that situation to have a hive mindset where everybody agrees with the same thing. I want to see different opinions. I want to see different points of view. And one of the things that has kept me in this sport, and, and it didn't draw me to the sport, but it's definitely been the thing that I love about covering it, is the fact that I do – talk to Carol, that I do talk to Reem Abulil, who's uh, Egyptian out uh, in the Middle East, uh, you know, Tamaini, who's who's British, you know, all of these different people who have different points of view, not just because of gender or race, but also because of uh, country, you know, culture, all these sorts of things. And they see things, Carol sees things through an entirely different prism than I do. <laughs> we get into incredible arguments about women's tennis, about men's tennis, about, you know, what value... Which I am by saying, I'm French. <laughs> we do. I'm sorry. <laughs> I'm sorry. She's French, I'm an American, that's just how it's going to be. So we're going to be cats and dogs the entire time. She's the cat, I'm the dog. But, <laughs> but that's healthy. And, and so long as you have discourse, so long as you, I hate to be all like John Stuart Millian about things, but just the discord and debate is good. Let's talk. Let's have discussions. But when everybody comes from the exact same background or within a certain range of this exact same background, that's problematic to me. And especially in this sport where, you know, I, I'm, I'm with the women. I talk to them a lot. They say things to me, you know, about what they see, you know, yeah, you in had, the press room. You had a very, very interesting quote tweet that you introduced. Uh, you linked to Carl's yeah. article through, just saying you paraphrase what. You yeah, said no, there. it was actually three, three or four, three years ago when I was still with Sports Illustrated, and I was doing kind of a, a story on equal prize money and sexism, and what the women face outside of just the stuff that we kind of talk about on the top line of. of you know, court assignments or things like that. So I was asking a, a few of them about what the press conference experience is like for them. And that was one of the lines from one of them. is like, sit at the sit in my chair and look out and look at the faces that look back at me. And when I come in after a loss, 
these are the faces that are telling me that I've failed somehow. And this was in the context of when the whole best of five, best of three equal prize money discussion was going on. And so she said, you know, they're questioning whether I have the right to be there. And and it's, you know, it, it's a different mentality. And I'm not saying she's she has the right to feel that way or not feel that way, but we have to understand that that is what they do see and what they do feel. And so, you know, it, it, understanding that definitely helps. I think the other thing as well, again, when you're dealing with an international and, you know, both genders on tour, um, p- people from different countries, I know that it's definitely helped me that I'm a woman. It's definitely helped me that I'm Asian. I know that, like, we used to joke about Lee Na. Like, every time somebody asked her a question, she looked at me and answered it. Yeah. And it was not because, like, we were besties or whatever. It's because your Twitter photo was Lee Na. Well, it's pretty much. <laughs> exactly. But it was, you know, a lot of it was because I was an Asian person who looked like her, who spoke perfect English. And she would just look to me to kind of verify that she was making sense. Like, she would say something, and I would just sit in my thing and be like, you're fine. Go ahead. You're good. You're good. You're right about the press conference. Like, had to sit in Wimbledon answering 70% of her press conference at her wedding. Like, oh, but you can focus on your game, despite, you know, going to be soon a married woman. Okay, next question. But what are you going to do for the wedding? You'll be late for the wedding. Okay, she's qualified for that. Quarterfinals. Can we talk about the achievement? No, no, but the I wedding. Was in, I was furious You can't mess that. up the wedding. But that's, that's a question of point of view. So I think this is a good example. And also all the, the body body issues or comment about the weight or about how they look, about the pretty blonde girl factor. Yeah. Why would you pick this one for this quote or this one for the cover of the magazine? Because it sells. Because it sells to who? Because who decides it's going to sell? So and that, that sometimes they don't realize that uh, you know that's the process of their of their thinking. But that's how it ends. And you yeah. see, you see, I don't know, fourteen or fifteen year old girl dressed like Maria Sharapova, makeup on court because they want to look good. And I, if we were covering the sport in another way, those kids would be focusing on playing great tennis, winning matches, and not having the perfect makeup on their face for the camera. And I, and I will say this, I mean, I mean, Ben knows this, and this isn't an insider plug intentionally, but part of the, the, the mission of that whole group or, or that segment of the WTA website with respect to the insider stuff is that we joke about it, forehands and backhands. That's what we talk about. I don't talk about anything else. I don't write fashion posts. I used to write Sorry. fashion posts for... I know. Sorry. You, you love it. You love it. You're French. It's okay. <laughs> but, uh, but yeah, you know, like that it's forehands and backhands. It's about... I'm more concerned with who's coaching who. Who split coaches recently? Who, are you injured? Um, you know, forehands and backhands. That's my concern. And, and so it's... It, is, it feels different. It feels slightly different than the tone and tenor that is taken with respect to the coverage of women's tennis where... That is secondary, and what is yeah, primary is scandal yeah, yeah. and looks and, you know, that sort of stuff. And that's just, that's when I pull my hair out at my desk. And it's interesting that it, it possibly could theoretically flow back to the players themselves in terms yes. of how they view their own sport. And I think we saw that a little bit with, and I was sitting at this very table with Coco Vandaway after her loss to Osaka. And she had said she'd never, this is a bit of a diversion here, but saying she had never heard of Osaka and it was, I could not have imagined a men's player saying that a similar sort of thing about any comparable rising men's star. I can't imagine, let's say, let's say, let's say Goffin saying he had never heard of Taylor Fritz, to use a comparable example. I cannot imagine 
that happening. And so the men, the, the women, just whether it's a bubble, whether it's something that they're just not as clearly. Common because often you hear those girls saying, I'm only focusing on my side of the court, on yeah. myself. I don't think about my opponent. And that's not something you're hearing no, in the that's not like in, 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 in the ATP. And I think that's not coming from her. That's how you brought them to the game. Like that's how they, they're coached. I mean, people are like, oh, they can't. Women can't serve. There's no physical reason why women can't serve. Maybe because the coaches, they don't learn those young girls to serve. And that's the same for, or you deal with your opponent, they think women tennis, or maybe women in themselves are like cat fight all the time. So look, focus on yourself. You don't need to, you know, be friends or whatever. That's not something that you will find on, on men tennis. So that's a really interesting question. Yeah, it's a, it's a different, more like nuanced question about that kind of extends from what is, you know, this issue of the media of just like what happens when, you know, men are decision makers across the entire spectrum. What happens when you don't have women in the coaching ranks? What happens when you only have men in the coaching ranks? What happens when those are men who, if they're great coaches, go coach the guys? So what are the, who are the coaches that are coaching the women? Are they you know, inherently flawed? Or, you know, do fathers who don't have histories in tennis, should they be coaching, you know, pro athletes? You know, these are all questions that, you know, trickle down and impact the, the quality of the product at the end. But... You know, it's 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 so pervasive just yeah. across the board. I mean, we like to say yes, we are the progressive, you know, tennis, you know, but that's sport. That's a good but sport to be. I mean, I think yeah. many other sports like soccer, football in Europe, or rugby, or whatever. Maybe it's it's tougher. Here, you have the basic respect. Like, I can go and ask for things. I can go talk to the players, mm. colleagues. I never feel like, oh, go away, you're a woman. That's, that's true. true. That's, that's true. true. Although there are players, male players, who have certain reputations yes. for being better and worse with female <laughs> reporters. I'm going and I'm, to I'm, talk to them. That's the thing. How are we going to talk to those people? The, the players who are, are they the more mattering? Like I was saying to Carl, like you always in a in a majority of in a room, you will always have to have one or two people who are going to be I don't know misogynist or, or yeah. racist or whatever, and you hear those people the more because they are loud. Yeah. But yeah. the majority is completely fine with being, you know, for equal pay or whatever. So are you going to focus? Why always focusing on those two or three people that are making a fuss and making them bigger than they are and you don't focus on the 90% of people who are completely fine with being normal human beings? And I think that's probably a social media sort of thing that amplifies yeah. it too. You see people, there's articles. It, you see you see Stakowski coughing is correct, but you also see people Stakowski. <laughs> yeah, but you but, perfectly. But, but you but <laughs> but you but you also see um, I guess uh, that with any sort of Twitter thing I mean if, if you know let's say people make I don't know racist comments about someone on TV if someone's searching looking for racist comments and amplifies these really fringe voices it might make them seem like a bigger thing than they, than they actually are in reality but at the same time when you have the opportunity to make a statement you do it yeah. the Stakowski case my issue is not that he's saying things I disagree with my issue is that People in the know, people in charge, other players never said anything publicly saying, we disagree with that guy, no. we are not sharing his opinion, what he says is not okay. So you can have one guy like this, but the issue is not him, it's all the, the other around who are, they don't dare to tell something because, you know, our locker room, we want to, we're all, you know, good buddies, we don't want to be the one that is being pro-woman or pro-gay people or whatever, so they just don't say anything. No. That's the biggest issue. One, one other thing which I haven't mentioned that I should say, you mentioned people saying things anti-women's tennis in the press room, and that is not 
always exclusively male voices yep. in the press room. One yep. of the one of the most down on women's tennis reporters I know in this press room yes. is a woman. That's and you right. know you know I know who I'm ta- you, I'm talking <laughs> I know about. Who you're talking about, yeah. And and it just Carol. I, I, <laughs> <laughs> not, <laughs> no. <laughs> Totally kidding. Totally kidding. Totally kidding. Not not Carol. No, but but it's. I guess yeah. It just shows that there is is more to it. And I guess let's go to you, Carl. I I, to Carl when we did the paper. Like I'm, I'm not sure that women would be maybe nicer to women players or whatever because we all know how we can be together. But that the diversity and having enough percentage that you have mixed opinion because women we know can be pretty tough on each other until a certain point i will say this is not related to this exactly at all but i've noticed a lot of the times in press conferences the reporters who serena seems to get most annoyed with are either women or black reporters because maybe she feels a different issue i I remember an example here where the question was maybe a bit critical and she said why are you doing this to me you should be the one supporting me i remember that that's that's another issue that they feel that because you're a woman or black you should be but that's a complicated topic. But I think that so that was coming from it. Like you should be my, on my side. Carl, as as a, as I bring you back in, as a, as a as a man who writes about women's sports, oftenly, often, oh, oftenly, oh, oftenly, it's a great, it's like not a word. <laughs> Carol, don't use that. <laughs> um, how conscious are you about about that when you approach a women's sports oriented story that you have to be? I don't know if, if you know. Well, Carl's with, lucky because he gets to deal with analytics. Well, that's true. That's true. But I guess I'm just curious. And I, and I can I could I could have answered this too. But is there a different sort of you know uh, steadfastness or, or carefulness you use when approaching women's sports or a women's issue, knowing that you are not a woman? Well, I think Courtney's got a point that the analytics is kind of a way around this. That I, I like to just write about sports like they're sports. I mean, I think that the best way to treat women's tennis, as Carol mentioned before, is it's tennis. But for this story, let's say, I thought it was important to have some of my colleagues who are women review it, not that men shouldn't also be able to review it and pick up on any issues that I'd be blind to. Yeah. Uh, I, I want to mention one other thing because Carol brought up a good point about the very loud voices on tour, the players who we hear from a lot, like Stakovsky, and maybe not all the majority of players who aren't as colorful and whose voices either aren't heard at all or if they are, are not amplified. I think similarly with the media, like Courtney said, probably most of the 70-something percent of, of the reporters who are men are well-meaning, probably intend to cover the sports equally. And I wonder to what extent you think it can just be kind of a sort of lazy bias or sexism of these are the players I know. These are even if these are even if I know other players, even if I knew about Anya Kanya before last night, if I need to pitch my editor and my editor needs to pitch the readers on why this is interesting, it's just going to be much easier to focus on Andy Murray, let's say. To what extent is it just kind of some people are dropping in just during slams. They haven't been keeping up with everything on tour like some of you have. I'm looking for a story for the next day so I can move on to the story for the following day. Tiebreaker goes to the guy everyone's heard of, not the woman who is up and coming. There's a lot of parity in the WTA, and I agree that creates a lot more people you can focus on. But each one of them can be a little bit tougher to make that sell to your editor and to your readers. That's the point. I mean, you can be super focused on a woman match or a storyline that you're passionate about. If you can't sell it to your your editor or your chief editor, it's it's useless. So that's also why you also need maybe more diversity in the responsibility positions. No. Because you can pitch everything you want about Anna Cunha, but if you have uh, copy editors or whatever who don't know her and don't care, that's just useless. Yeah, I mean, it, for me, I mean, I know that again, like moving from SI to the WTA, part part of it was that was to recognize that there was a gap, 
that at the end of the day, those decisions were going to be made. That at the end of the day, Anna Kanyu, last match on Ash, coming into press at midnight, is not going to be the story that you can convince somebody to cover in a thorough way that uh, the Andy Murray match before is going to be. I recognize that. Like, completely, I'm like, yeah, no, that makes absolute real-world sense. Doesn't mean the second story shouldn't be covered, so let's go ahead and have it and make sure that somebody is there to, like, you know, uh, pick things up when, when, when otherwise, you know, if, if Caroline Wozniacki makes a run to the quarterfinals, that press room's full. I don't need to be there. I, you know, like the story's being told. But, um, you know, the Kanyus, the Savastavas, the, the Plushkovas even, you know, those are the players where you know in the back of your mind, at least I know in the back of my mind, yeah, they're going to be overlooked because of a variety of reasons, some legit, some could be illegitimate. But, you know, you, you kind, of try, kind of try and step in and, 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 and fill the void. No, you're right. And, and go ahead, Carl. I was just going to say, I mean, just thinking while you were talking about how this affected me, I was, I've been doing a podcast here from the U.S. Open, and I was going to talk this morning about Venus Williams, and then she lost. And then I was going to talk about Radwanska, and then she lost. <laughs> yeah. And I could have done the whole episode about these players maybe you haven't heard of. And instead, I did a whole episode on Serena Williams. So it's still WTA, but it was a missed opportunity to cover those other players but I also thought more people would listen if it was about Serena Williams and those are the trade-offs oh yeah for sure I mean those are absolutely the trade-offs and were like for me I, I have the luxury of having the cover of I am an institution reporter well whether people want to call me a reporter or not that's a different debate for that press room but um, but yeah you know you have the cover of being like I get to write about all these things and nobody reads them fine it's historical it's there for when you guys care it's there and you can go back and look at it but, um, but yeah, those are real-world decisions. Those are the same decisions that, you know, I would constantly make. I would have made the exact same decision if I was still with Sports Illustrated. Even the podcast I filed last night, it, it was about Pliskova and Kanyu, but the bulk of it was also, how do you beat Serena? You know, so you still find a way to weave Serena in because she is who people care about. Although that probably is true of the men's Absolutely. coverage as well, I would think. It's tough, tougher to yeah, beat bottom is, line. What is important, too, that the, the girls nowadays understand that they have a role to play in the public debate, like if you look at the big four as a guy, they've understood how it works. They talk, they articulate, they have opinions, they, they are not afraid to, you know, to spend 30 minutes in the press conference to make it, to make their point. And you have Serena who is trying basically to hold some, at some point this whole conversation and put the women tennis out there. You had Maya Sharapova who isn't here anymore, Victoria Zarenka who isn't here anymore. I mean, the, the, a lot of work has been done by the previous generations of women players and maybe the younger ones. They need to step up a little bit and and does the job. And I, and I remember early in her time as a top player, Azarenka especially was known for not being the most accommodating player. No. Press to say it light, to put it lightly. And I remember hearing frustration. I think, or you know, would be frustration from like Billie Jean King about that sort of thing. Like how hard women used to have to work for to fight for coverage. Billie Jean King used to meet with editors. Used to go to newspaper offices. They would send like the fashion the lifestyle editors. or fashion reporter to cover women's tennis. She'd have to teach and them she how would to sit, score. She would sit there and teach, <laughs> and teach them the scoring system of the sport. And so now that the women, I think, arrived in this world, they've all. I mean, Azarenka more or less has been a pro the entire time. She's been a pro more or less has been equal prize money at all four Grand Slams, which happened in 07. So it's a little bit people don't understand how, how how much work it took to get to this point and that it's not necessarily permanent with the coverage. I mean they women I think still have to keep fighting for it time and time again and it's not it's not a done deal. I mean they've come a long way. We we are 
complaining because you, you need to still you know always be self-critical and want to get better but we've come a long long way I think when I talk to my French colleagues who are older and I complain about some stuff like are you kidding me do you know what was happening in my days I was getting bullied by this one talked to like by this one so we, we are having a much easier life I think than former women covering sports and especially in other sports where there's locker room access and things like that are an issue that's, a, that's been a major issue over time in America for female reporters I can that yeah. in France it's not happening well you're going <laughs> we don't enter locker are you lost <laughs> okay final final points I'll uh, go around the room if anyone has anything to say before we wrap this up Courtney yeah I mean I like I said I just I and I think I've said this maybe at the end of last year or the year before about how about tennis bloggers that I like I want to see a robust tennis blogging community I want to see a community of fans outside of Twitter who actually sit there and write long blog posts and keep us in check, you know, that, that feel like they can, you know, like one of my favorite sports blogs of all time was Fire Joe Morgan. And what they did was they would just take, you know, uh, things that people wrote and they'd break them down. Sometimes it was fair, sometimes it wasn't, but they were very smart people who, who knew what they were doing. And, and I think that in a lot of ways they helped change the conversation and force people to especially talk about analytics, sabermetrics, things like that. I would love to see more of that. I think that the right now the current tennis blogging community is a little bit weak, not because like the people who are doing it are weak, but I think that there's a lack of like different opinions kind of going on or different stances or different ways that they want to cover or talk about the sport. It's and, thin more than weak almost. Yeah, sure. Say, Either yeah. way. I mean thin, weak. Uh, yeah. yeah, sure. But I would love to see more of that. And in the same way, it's, a, it's the same thing in the media room. I would like to see more diversity. I'd want to see more people who are in here stirring things up and not going with the status quo mindset all the time and you know writing from outside of the blocks a box i would love to see that i think that would just benefit the sport in a tremendous way carol any any closing thoughts i think just because we can complain about stuff but also be grateful about you know the access the understanding the help that i personally got months after months and you see you can see people they respect the work so if you can go on this way that if you work well you can you know improve, you can meet the players, you can have interviews, you can do your job normally. That's the biggest reward of working hard. That focus on the work. Let's not focus on who is doing it and if he's, he's wearing pants or she's wearing a skirt. We don't care. Never <laughs> worn a skirt. Never <laughs> in the press room. So, Sorry, I'm French. I do wear skirts. <laughs> Carl, any, any takeaways from I guess, your overall impressions of having done all the reporting on this story and I and talking to the four women you talked to, two of them weren't here, by the way. So that was one of the interesting things about the article. I don't know it was explicitly mentioned, but two of the four aren't here, which shows, I guess, it's sort of the underrepresentation a little bit. And I guess whatever other thoughts you have from our yeah, conversation. Yeah, well, I was going to mention that because I think the bright side of that is, as Courtney said, people can write about tennis from anywhere without anyone assigning it to them. They can create their own website in a second. And they may eventually get an assignment and come and cover tournaments. I mean, the two women I talked to have done that. But anyone else, including many others we know on Twitter, but also not on Twitter, already writing great things. And even if they're not the ones in the press room asking the questions, they can amplify those answers and change the conversation. The one other thing I wanted to say is that we we aren't going to probably change this percentage overnight. We saw that it really hasn't changed much in the last four years. So it is going to matter for now what those 70-something percent of the press who are men are going to cover. And I think one thing they miss when they do just focus on who are the names that pack the seats that will get the clicks and so on is that a Grand Slam draw is the sum of all of its parts. You had in a recent episode the blogger and tweeter foot soldiers of tennis. And one of the points he made is 
there's no Grand Slam, there's no round one packing Ash if you don't have a credible player for Djokovic or Federer or Murray to play. And these Grand Slams as a single gender event would be nothing like they are now. I mean, you can look at the Master Series that are just men, and they're a tiny fraction of what the Grand Slams are. And even, see, even what the combined Masters yeah. are, I would say. Yeah, yeah. exactly. So, and, and, you know, mixed doubles being a part of that as well. So I think being able to see the bigger picture of what the story is and what makes a slam special and why people follow it and how it transcends, we all know, I'm sure, we have friends and readers who don't even follow tennis other times who suddenly are asking us questions about these players. There is interest in it. There, you, can, you can sell stories about these players. Well, a tricky situation, I'm just... It's just coming to my mind that when you're, in, you're a woman covering tennis among men and they're like disparaging the women game or something, maybe you can be tempted to, to fit in, to go their way. So you, you're not going to say, okay, I disagree with you. They're playing amazing tennis. This one is a great assist. So you need to, you need to be brave enough to just, okay, say, no, I disagree. And you do the coverage on the women game. Because if you're always agreeing with them, just to yeah. be friend with them, you're just basically killing the essence of your job right now. Yeah, no, absolutely. I mean, it, it, like I said, you hear a lot of things. I generally tend to not take them well or sitting down or quietly. And so therefore, I, yeah, people are kind of scared of me, I think, a little bit. But um, <laughs> A little bit? A little bit. But, uh, but yeah, I mean, part of it is because that. Is, of you just don't want people to think that you're, oh, well, my, you know, black French woman friend rubber stamped. Yes, yeah, I mean, like, you know, rubber stamped my opinion. She didn't think it was a problem or like, you yeah, know, the Asian yeah. American girl, like she didn't say anything. So it's perfectly yeah, fine. I and mean, you don't want to get yourself in that situation. No. But. but you don't want to be the pain in the ass who's always going to protest like, oh, you've been mean. Oh, don't talk to this about, like this bad woman. But we should do that more often. Yeah. We should do that more often. I guess the last thing I would say just to, to support both genders, men, I guess, probably particularly just be conscious of what your your output is and your, your coverage when you come to, I, I even even at the times which has a pretty I think and we have a female tennis editor and we yeah, do and and, I, had and, a, I had a female tennis editor as well and we do things like if we're gonna we have, have, have this issue, we haven't live blogged as much lately but we always made sure like well we can't live blog the men's final if we don't also live blog the women's final Same and things like and, and che checks and balances like that but just be conscious of, of what your output is and look back at, at the last few slams you've done and see how many articles were about men and how many are about women and how many I know we do that on the podcast of male and female guest ratios and things like that, and just and just have. Uh, we don't want to shortchange the guys. <laughs> Pretty much, there have been times, especially NCR, where I've been like, we have to talk about more men's tennis. Like we have not talked about men like in a while. Um, but but yeah, uh, that's that's part of it, and just know that's what you're doing, and 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 reach out and. Why not write the Kanye story if you would write about it if it was a, a you know Taylor Fritz or a male eighteen year old in that position Completely. and and really good comparison. Yeah. seriously so, yeah, yeah Fritz beat uh, Stan I mean he had not the... Stan who's four right he now. didn't beat Stan no I'm saying if if, if. if. right if. if right well I mean Fritz oh, is ranked really higher but, yeah. really good comparison or if Jared Donaldson right beat uh. Who is number four on the men? Yeah, it's, 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 it's Rafa. Rafa. Yeah. Oh, it's Rafa? Okay. Yeah. If, he, if, if he beat Rafa on Ash, I'm pretty sure that would have been a story. Probably. And Jared didn't win the two junior slams. Even, even a non-American. Even, yeah. even a non-American, yeah. Even, even if Chorich had, let's say. Look back at who is bankable and who's not, and who is deciding who is bankable and who's not. Yeah. And so just when you're, when you're looking at the, your bank receipts at the end, just go through the statement line the item by line <laughs> item and, and hopefully get a, a better balance so you're not uh, gender equality-wise in the red. <laughs> And with that, thank you guys very much, Carl. Thank you. Carol, Courtney. Thanks, man. It's been fun. Always. So thank you to Carl and Carol for joining us, and thank you guys for joining us on this episode as well. If you want to follow along when you're not listening, you can do so by liking us on 
Facebook, facebook.com slash NCR podcast. Follow us on Twitter at NCR underscore tennis. You can also send us questions, emails, comments, anything to our email, no challenges remaining at gmail.com. Uh, follow our guests on Twitter as well at Carol underscore Bouchard and at Carl Bialik. Courtney and I are at 40 to twits at WTA underscore insider and at Ben Rothenberg. Uh, our show's on iTunes, Stitcher Radio, all those things. Subscribe and leave reviews there to get episodes delivered automatically. Executive producers of No Challenge Remaining are Pancho Resendis of TennisBalls.com and Tal Woolley. Today was the last day of tennis on Louis Armstrong Stadium, and it's been real, folks. Bye, guys. The colors of the rainbow, so pretty in the sky. Also on the faces of people going by, I see friends shaking hands, saying, how do you do? They're really saying, I love you. I hear babies cry. I watch them grow. They learn much more. I never knew And I think to myself What a wonderful world Yes, I think to myself What a wonderful world